Hey guys, in today's podcast, we're gonna teach you everything that you're gonna need to keep yourself safe if someone attacks you with a weapon, and we're gonna do that over podcast. Brian? Yes? I don't think you can do that over podcast. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I guess not. Crap. Welcome to the Impact Defense Podcast. Podcast. We're dedicated to giving you the information that you need to help keep you safe. Now, let's join our hosts, Brian and Jada. Okay, so when it does come to someone attacking you with a weapon, we, we've already established you can't really teach that over podcast. Um, it's, it's hard to hear that or even just see people sitting there talking about it. But there are ways that we can make ourselves safer in a situation like that that we can talk about here. What would what would something like that be? And I know you guys are probably super tired of hearing us say this by now, but it all does begin with awareness. If you can make yourself aware of someone who is a potential threat first and avoid that, you're going to be safer just in general. It's it's very true. So be aware See, you brought up a story, and we won't rehash it again on the podcast, but you brought up the story about you and your husband in Walmart parking lot and saw the dude with the big knife on his side. Yeah, I'm having a screaming match yeah. with a lady at and, her car. You avoid that situation. So that's really kind of the first thing. You avoid a possible um, you know, situation that you might end up in a weapons defense scenario. If you can avoid being pulled into a situation, you can usually avoid not coming out of it. Very true. Next level would be, what if somebody does have the weapon and they're already like at you with it or close to you with it or threatening you with it? If you have the opportunity to run in that situation, take the opportunity to run. If, you are not go- if it is not going to cause you extra harm to run, run away. Yes, I don't give a crap how trained you are. If you are there and you're empty-handed and somebody has a knife on you, if you are there and you have a weapon, but it's in your pocket or in your waistband, your chances are best if you will run out of there than trying to get to your weapon and or defend and actually fight against the person with the weapon. Uh, so first off, if we can run, we're going to run. And if you can't run and it's not possible, then we're going to do everything we can to de-escalate the situation. We've already done a big podcast on de-escalation. I don't think there's any real big point in doing all of that over again de-escalate it. Okay. If you don't know what I'm talking about, go back to our podcast on verbal de-escalation. Okay. So calm the person down and get out of the situation. And then we are in a situation where you can't run, you can't de-escalate. What do you do? And that's when we do like a lot of our trainings and a lot of our seminars, workshops. That's when we're working on weapon survival at that point in time. The best methods, uh, there's a lot of people teaching a lot of crazy stuff out there when it comes to having somebody with a knife. I just saw another video, and it just happened to just pop through my feed uh, this morning. As I am looking through, I got a notification. Somebody was asking a question about one of our classes or something. So I hop onto Facebook. I don't get on there much. And in the process of that, there's this feed where this guy come through, and he was showing the whole idea of an overhead knife technique, stabbing the ice pick method, and the guy high blocks, reaches under the arm, grabs his hand, grabs the guy's wrist, and then takes them down off of that. We have had a field day with that one technique for years because it does not work and everybody teaches it. I think weapons defense is where 
a lot of the McDojos really come through. <laughs> because everyone's so scared to pressure test with weapons because they don't want anyone getting hurt. So they teach the techniques that look the best and look the most effective. But without being willing to really pressure test them, you can't see if they work or not. You can take a good guess sometimes, but weapons defense is extremely complicated. Even if you know really great techniques, techniques that are proven to work, they're not gonna work 100% of the time. Whereas you can usually count a punch to the face to hurt, you can't always count something to stop the blade to actually stop the blade if you miss in a pressure situation. It's a whole lot more dangerous and the risks are much more high. Yes. Which is why I say, no matter what level of training you have, if you have the ability to run, run. If you don't have the ability to run, de-escalate. Then, if you have no other option, then fight against that weapon. There's also a big thing, going back to that running aspect. People are afraid of running whenever someone has a gun. First off, usually things don't escalate the same way they do in movies. Uh, second, when it comes to running away from someone with a gun, the odds of them actually hitting you are really not that great. No. And especially if you can find cover. Finding cover is when you find something that can actually stop the bullet from reaching you when you're okay. behind it. We discussed, well, even like you and Kylie discussed in the last podcast, we were talking about how hard it is to shoot that six inch target from 45 feet away mm -hmm when there is no pressure other than the stress of actually qualifying for your, mm -hmm. you know, instructorship. And you take that, you add stress. Guess what? The attackers, they feel the stress too. Oh yeah. It is not like that is a stress-free environment for them because attackers do not want to get caught and they don't want to go to jail. Exactly. We talked about another podcast. Criminals are pretty lazy. They want the easiest target. If they have a choice between a locked box and reaching their hand into the jar and taking what was in the locked box, they're going to go and reach their hand in the jar. They're not going to try and unlock the box. If you're making it difficult for them to get what they want, they'll probably just leave you alone so that they don't get caught. And, and I, I bring this up and a lot of people like um, get shocked at first. But we generally say, you don't run straight back from them, you know, because we do want to make it as hard as possible. We want to run off at a diagonal angle. You know, we, we've talked mm -hmm. about that. That makes it harder for them to hit you anyway. But even if you turn around and run straight, let's say you're in Walmart parking lot because we always establish that everything horrible happens in Walmart parking lot. You're in Walmart parking lot. Somebody pulls a gun on you and asks for something, okay, and you turn around and run, they don't want to get caught, they don't want attention, and they don't want to get out of jail. So what are the chances of them actually pulling the trigger? Because a petty criminal, like a pocket thief, is not going to really want to draw that much attention to themselves of shooting up a Walmart parking lot. Exactly. You know, they want to go on with their petty criminal life. They want someone who's just going to comply. You make it really hard for them they're not gonna to want to draw so much attention to themselves that they get charged with a major crime. That one thing changes when there is a heated problem between yeah. you and another people person. So if you and another person have this heated problem and then all of a sudden they draw a gun, chances are now this is emotional. This is not, this is, mm -hmm. 
This is not something that's surgical like a, uh, like a robbery or something like that. This is emotional. Now that emotions are tied up into it, there's a much higher chance that they're going to pull the trigger. People lose their IQ whenever they get yes. too emotional. I'm sure if any of you are married and have had a heated argument with your spouse, it doesn't always turn into the most... Married people don't argue. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> If you've ever had a heated discussion or an argument with your spouse and said something that you don't mean, I'm sure it hasn't turned out very well for you and logic kind of goes out the window for you both. Yeah. I hope you have a healthy relationship and are able to confidently talk through your issues. But, you know, things happen and arguments yeah, happen mean, and people are people. So everyone's going to have something happen at some point. My wife and I have had a wonderful, wonderful 21 years of marriage. But, you know, everybody's going to have those days where it's just you have a bad day and you're going to get into a little bit of an argument. And, and, and even in a situation like that, you kind of lose it for a minute and you go, wait a second. And eventually you kind of learn to, OK, wait, so now is not the time to deal with this. Let's wait. And that, that's a something. You have to consciously make that decision in that point where it has the potential to either escalate or go down a notch. You have to make that conscious decision to let it go down a notch. And... People being unreasonable in a Walmart parking lot don't often make the right decision there. They don't often make the decision of, okay, I'll back off. You just go about your day, be happy, I'm going to walk this way, we'll forget this happened, and everyone can be chill. People don't often make the right decision. Usually everyone's obsessed with being right. <laughs> we got off on marriage, and I thought we was going to hang there for a second, and I was no. afraid this was going to turn into the Impact Marriage podcast. No, I have a great relationship with my husband. We actually haven't had a heated argument. We'll, we'll both. Moment, I know. So. Yeah, so. It'll happen eventually, but it'll be all right. All right, anyway, back to weapons defense. Um, if you have to defend against a weapon, there are so many different theories. Actually, I saw um, one martial arts guy put out there. He says that knife defense is specifically is filled with some of the dumbest and wildest stuff in all of martial arts. And that is across all these different styles. It doesn't matter what style. You know, again, we go back to, we talk about styles. Styles does not, do not matter. Everyone gets that samurai feeling. A blade is involved. Yeah. I shall be a samurai. <laughs> it doesn't, no. You're not, you're not a samurai. Stop it. But you do see some really, really dumb knife defenses out there um, that will generally get you killed or, you know, anything. Uh, there are some great drills. There's some great contact drills. There's some great flow drills that will help you when you are using a knife. But when you are just defending against a knife, it's really, really hard. It's more about limb control and everything to keep them from being able to stab you. Um, we have talked about in the past, and I honestly don't know if we've talked about it on the podcast or not, but one in particular, I trained with a few guys knife for knife stuff for a while, and one, probably my introductory lesson, I will never forget it, because we had to watch video after video after video of people being in an altercation with a knife, and sometimes the people died. And sometimes Gosh, you sound like it sounds like driver's ed these days with dr driving videos. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, but anyway, it was it was horrible. So we've talked about before. Uh, I am doing what I'm doing because I love people. I really can't stand 
to watch a video where somebody in reality dies. You know, me, I separate reality from movie. You know, I can watch John Wick and it does not bother me that he just shot 15 guys in three seconds. Okay. I'm not emotionally I stopped attached. and thought about that in the middle of that movie. I've seen a lot of people die in this. Yeah. I'm not emotionally attached to fictional characters. Uh, and, and while I'm not necessarily emotionally attached to a person that I don't know, still to see that person, see a video of a person that you don't know, but you know that they are actually dying, it, it, I don't like it. I don't like the feeling it gives me. So anyway, aside from that, we had to watch video after video. I saw picture after picture of aftermaths of knife attacks and everything else. There was a one where a guy had been cut across the stomach, cut all of his arms, his cut across his forehead. He had, I don't know how many thousands of stitches to put him back together. And he actually was the winner of the situation because the other guy took, had a knife, drew a knife, attacked him, cut him all to pieces. He ends up taking the knife away from the guy and stabbing the other guy and killing him. And, and he was the winner of the situation. The things that I really came back with that is the human body can live through a lot more than we give it credit for. Mm-hmm. Earlier days in my training, if we got cut across the stomach, we would stop because, oh, well, you're dead. You, we just made an assumption that, oh, you're dead. In reality, it doesn't really work that way. So understand that if a knife or we're talking about knives a lot in this one, but you know, if, if you're attacked with a knife, you're probably going to get cut. You're probably going to get stabbed. Something like this is going to happen. Understand that. And you have to fight through it. You never train to die. No. You no. don't stop until you take the knife away. And the more you do that, and the more practice you are at doing that in training, if you ever have to use it in a real situation, it might bring down your number of cuts yeah. by a good bit. But that's something that you have to understand is if there's an altercation with a knife, odds are you're going to get cut. There's an exponentially less likelihood of if you're attacked with a gun of getting shot if you're fighting. Knife is more likely to actually hit you. Yeah. Yeah. Statistically speaking, of people that are attacked with a knife or attacked with a gun in in reality, you know, in any size self-defense situation throughout the nation, the knife is a much deadlier attack weapon than the gun is. More people die that are attacked by a knife, you know, when in a self-defense situation than people die that are attacked by guns. Um, and everybody says, well, guns are so much more uh, imminent. It's, it's absolutely you're going to die. You know, that's not actually necessarily the case. And uh, we're not going to get into caliber discussions and everything, but I just heard a thing, a, a story about a guy who was shot in the face twice with a 45 ACP and still lived through it and is a functioning person at this point in time. He is, he is fine. He is living life. And it, it, that amazes me uh, to think about, but the body is so much more resilient than we give it credit for. So we always, especially active shooter stuff, when we're talking about, you know, doing these training exercises, doing some of the pressure testing, I tell everybody, I don't care if you got shot in the head. I don't care what happens. If you get shot, you don't just stop and say, well, I'm dead because we never want to program that into our brains. We want to train like you said, to not die.
Just wanted to interrupt this video because I'm going to tell you about the website. It's impactdefense.online. There you can find all our videos, all our podcasts, all the courses that we've made, and there's even a store. <sighs> Visit the store because this is how Dad pays the bills, and I'm 13. I eat a lot. Back to the video. So we have the mindset behind it of don't train to die if you can run and avoid the situation at all possible. So first off, try to avoid the situation. Second, if you're going to train, don't train to die. Fight until, you know, whatever end it fight comes to. Fight until you can't to. fight anymore. Yep, fight until you can't fight anymore. And your odds of living through it are much greater that way. Now we get into good teaching versus crappy teaching. So whenever you are, if you're a self-defense buff or enthusiast, I'm sure on one of your social medias you're following someone who does this. If you're not following us, hey. Uh, <laughs> Why not? I don't understand. <laughs> I know, we're, we're great. No, I'm just <laughs> but seriously, follow us. Anyway, odds are you're following someone who has done some kind of training on surviving weapon attacks or weapon defense because this is something that people are extremely worried about. The big thing you have to look out for is teaching that doesn't really work. This is teaching that when it stands, you know, a pressure test, it does not come out on top and it takes too much to remember. Brian said in one of our last podcasts, in a self-defense situation, you don't rise to the occasion, you fall to the most basic level of training. If a weapon's defense is not one of the more base, doesn't involve basic muscle movement and is not something you could consider a basic level of training, it's probably not going to benefit you a whole lot in that actual situation. So that overhead block that he was talking about, reach under, grab the knife, and then take them down, it's too much motion and too much memorization and too much absolutely perfect technique for it to really work in an actual situation. And one more thing, it's a lack of training with momentum. And that is the main problem. Even if you are awesome at that technique, uh, one of the guys, a friend of mine, who uh, started out in the same style and everything that I did, we had kind of gotten away from each other. He came back, we were talking one night, it was me and him and my brother. And we were talking about bullcrap techniques that just do not work in reality. And that was one I brought up and he goes, oh no, no, you don't say that. Don't say that. I said, what do you mean don't say that? He says, don't say that. That is my favorite knife defense technique. I said, dude, I'm sorry. It doesn't work. He says, no, don't say that. And I said, well, I, I, I promise you we've tried this. It doesn't work. And so he's like, no, I, it's, it's got to work. So we had and if you guys don't have anything like this and you want to, and you take training seriously, look up Action Flex has these, um, these knives that you get that are foam on the end and a good solid handle. And you can stab, you can cut, you can hit as hard as you want. It is a full contact sparring weapon and it's a knife. And you can be brutally mean with this thing and for the most part, not hurt the other person. So we pulled out one of those because I've had one of those things for years. And I said, okay, I'm going to come down. Now he's been training in martial arts for a long time. He can take a hit. I'm coming down trying to ram that thing into the top of his head. Okay. He is going to try that technique. And when it came on, I hit and he 
couldn't stop it. It kept hitting him. He was so frustrated. He had me do it like five or six times before he finally said, okay, it doesn't work. I agree. But people get so attached to those things. And you don't take into account stuff like momentum and power and reality. You know, you can't get attached to something just because you like it. Yeah, in a real situation, someone's not going to come down and be like, ready? It's coming. <laughs> Give it a second. Or go really fast and stop as soon as they hit your hand. Oh, yeah. It's like really fast. Oh, no, I have been foiled. Now I'm being taken down and the knife is being pulled away. Oh, what humanity. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. I'm just in that kind of a mood today. It's all good. Knife defense is really tricky because you have to be really focused on that knife hand and not letting it travel to a different location. You have to fully control the hand with the knife in it. A lot of the techniques we use, people are like, but they can still punch you this way. Yes, but they're not stabbing you. Yes, and you're not going to just like stand there and hang on to the arm and go, okay, oh, oh, cool, I've got it. Exactly! <laughs> so, a lot of the techniques we train with, people are nervous, they're going, but they still have the other hand. Yes, yes they do, yes they do. But they're not stabbing you, and it's not like we're just going to sit here. Yes. You know, we're going to be moving. You're going to be really controlling this situation. And the important part is that you're not being stabbed. That fist is a whole lot less dangerous than the blade is. Mm -hmm. So worry about the most imminent weapon and then worry about not getting punched. Yeah. Once the knife is out of the equation, then you can worry about the other aspects of the threat. But another thing they don't take into consideration is with adrenaline, you're not going to feel as many hits. No, yeah. I'm, and I'm so attest to that. You're not going to feel that damage until later, most likely. Um, and even if you do, it's not going to be as bad as being stabbed. Whereas if you are focused on trying to control both and you end up getting cut, that damage is happening and it's causing damage whether you really feel it at that moment or not, you're still bleeding or you still have a ligament cut, there's so much that can go wrong with a knife wound. Whereas being punched, not the biggest deal when you're worrying about a knife. My favorite story to tell about the adrenaline, to kind of like bring that home for everyone, mm -hmm. is um, probably my last, um, no, it was my last big MMA fight that I did. I was fighting for an organization um, and I had not lost at this point in time. And I didn't, they called me up and said, hey, we got a fight for you, guy, for you. And it was going to be the promoter's, one of his guys. And I, I took it pretty quickly. I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll fight him. No big deal. Um, and I didn't realize. I asked a little bit about him. I said, you know, what's his background? So, oh, okay, well, he, he's done a little bit of kickboxing, you know. And I said, okay, well, about, uh, did he wrestle or anything? And I was like, well, yeah, he, he wrestled a little bit in high school. I didn't realize I was being set up at the moment. Um, I was, I come out of, I started off in Kyokushin Karate, you know, which translates well over to kickboxing, did kickboxing stuff, and then did Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Notice that wrestling is not in what I did up to that point. And they knew that. They knew my background. I'd already fought several times for them. And I'm, I'm heading up there. I get to the event that day. We do weigh-ins. We get everything 
set. Now it's time to start putting some weight back on after dehydrating your body through a weigh-in. And I'm talking to some of the guys, and I find out, oh, this guy, he didn't do a little bit of wrestling. He was a state champion wrestler. Oh, he's not done a little bit of kickboxing. He's got an amateur title in kickboxing. Oh, this dude... This dude's legit, and they're trying to, they knew that I, it was my last fight on the contract. I was probably not going to be fighting anymore after this one. Um, I decided I was, this was going to be my last fight, and they were going to try to build their guy's name on me. And I get in there, and I couldn't stop his takedowns the first round. We fight. We go three rounds. It was a, it was a full-out war. It was three rounds. I ended up winning a decision. I look at my brother when it was over, and I said, hey, um, I don't think, because my brother was in my corner, I said, I don't think that he hit me one single time that entire fight. I knew without a doubt he didn't hit me in the face. I don't think I'd ever had a fight before where I was never hit in the face. But um, I said, I don't think he hit me one single time. And he didn't say anything. He just kind of like smiled and nodded at me, <laughs> which I should have known was a bad sign. The next morning, I get up. And I walk into the bathroom and I look and my ribs on both sides are just completely bruised. I never even knew I was hit. So in adrenaline flowing, you won't even know it most of the time unless it's a really detrimental strike. I've had my nose broken in a fight. That you notice. That you noticed right away. <laughs> but when somebody's like hitting you in the ribs or something like that, you're a lot of times you're not even going to notice unless it's a good liver shot or spleen shot or something like that. So when it comes to knife defense, you have to be determined to control that hand with a knife. Yep. When you're watching videos or something on how to defend against a knife, be very specific about what you actually, whose word you take on it. Yeah. We actually have done two videos on knife defenses. And, and I'll tell you right now, we didn't really, we didn't take a lot of time in the videos to explain, but... We use, what we see is the best base for a knife defense is Greco-Roman wrestling. Getting in, controlling the upper body and the limbs and everything like that. That is one of the best bases for weapons defenses. Because if you can control the arm that has the knife, you're going to really, really limit what they can do to you. And plus, if you can get a takedown or something and hurt them at that point in time, control it and hit them and hurt them. And someone holding a knife... If they're using it to try and control you, they're pretty scared of the weapon themselves. They don't want you to have it. They're going to be very focused on trying to control the knife as well. Whereas yeah. you're focused on trying to control that knife, they are too. So yeah. don't worry too much. I worry some. But don't worry too terribly much about that other hand or anything else. They want the knife just like you do. That's where the real fight is. The yeah. fight is over the knife. Yeah. So, yeah, in that point in time, they... I don't know. There's all kinds of things. You can't say, this is going to happen, this is going to happen, this is going to happen. And if you have an instructor who says, this is going to happen, this is going to happen, and this is going to happen, uh, go ahead and find a new instructor because you don't know. People are different. Their minds work different. You have no idea what's going to happen. What you have to know and what you have to do is control as much of it as you can. But if your knife defense is entirely too elaborate, if it relies on the person stopping their momentum, uh, anything like this, you're probably doing something that is not actually going to work in reality. Mm -hmm. You need to, if you have to fight it, if you have to fight it, 
close the distance, control the limb, get a takedown, uh, beat them up, whatever you need to do from there, but only if you have to fight it. If you see the knife and you have that ability to run, you run. If you see the knife and they say, give me your car keys, give them your car keys. Who gives a freak unless you have a child in the vehicle? You know, if I have a child or my wife or somebody, you know, or somebody is in the vehicle and they say, give me your car keys, it's, it's going to be, sorry, buddy, you're, you're going to have to like come at me because <laughs> I'm not doing that. Uh, but like if it's just my vehicle or something like that, dude, you got my wallet, you can have my wallet, you can have my keys, I don't care. You know, all that stuff is replaceable. So we've talked primarily about knives and knife defense in this podcast. What we're going to do is next time we're going to come up with another podcast. We'll be talking more about gun defense and uh, also some other weapons defenses. So keep your eyes out for that. Yeah. Uh, a couple things that you should look for. Look for a decent training knife. Okay. Something that you can feel fairly comfortable with handing to someone and saying, try to cut me, try to stab me. Because, so it does not need to be necessarily a metal knife. You know, you need to allow someone to come in full force, full contact and come at you. No, and don't just automatically think, oh man, they stabbed me, it's over with. No, it's gonna happen. You're gonna get stabbed, you're gonna get cut, it's okay. Your goal is to control it as much as possible. And one of the best drills we've seen for that, and we do in our weapon survival things, we're going to be doing in our integrated combatives course, uh, all of these things is, I call it 10-second survival and a 20-second survival drill. And that is you give somebody a knife, and ours makes a nice little siren sound every time you hit it. Um, you give somebody a knife, and their goal is to make that siren go off as many times as they possibly can in 10 or 20 seconds. And the other person just tries to control and tries to hold on for dear life at the moment because that's that first part of the defense. Now, if you've never done knife defense, make sure that you actually train slowly first, closing the distance, taking control, all of that, and then branch off into going uh, full speed. If you guys look in the description of this podcast or the show notes, uh, we will actually link a couple of knives. We'll see if we can't find some knives that we can link to that would be really good training aids for this one. Thank you guys so much for listening and watching. Stay safe, stay alert, and we will see you in the next podcast. See you guys. Thank you for listening to the Impact Defense Podcast. If you'd like to learn more about how to keep yourself safe, check out the articles, videos, courses, and seminars at www.impactdefensenc.com. We also do training for security teams, churches, businesses, groups, and more. Stay sharp, stay focused, and train hard.